Having car problems? Well, with Rhoda, getting them fixed is as easy as ordering takeout. They'll come pick up your car for free, do any repair or maintenance needed, and return it right to your driveway. They'll even give you a complimentary video inspection of your car so you can see what needs to be done. Perfect for those of us that maybe aren't so car savvy. Book your appointment online at roda.com. And lucky for you, CityCast listeners get a 20% discount on any service for up to $100 off. Just use the code CityCast20. Today on CityCast DC, there have been a number of high-profile crashes on Connecticut Avenue recently, including one in February that left a 21-year-old dead. The city's considering a public safety plan that would reduce traffic lanes and parking and add protected bike lanes. But it's been so controversial that there are petitions floating around with thousands of signatures, and the city has delayed finalizing the design concept yet again. Today, I'm here with two community members who strongly disagree on the bike lanes. One's a cyclist and the other's not, and they are not advocating for the side that you might expect. Today is Monday, April 10th. I'm Bridget Todd, and here's what DC's talking about. All right, so let's start with the basics. Connecticut Avenue bike lane plan is still in the works, but overall the city is expected to reduce the road to four lanes of traffic from six lanes of traffic and replace parking with a one-way protected bike lane. Lee, you're the president of the organization Save Connecticut Avenue, which is campaigning against this plan. Swale, you're an ANC commissioner in the Cleveland Park area and a very vocal proponent of the bike lanes. Uh, Let's start with you, Swale. Why do some constituents want bike lanes specifically? And like, why not just try to expand Connecticut Avenue or increase bus service? Sure. Thank you, Bridget. Thank you for that question. So the first thing is, this plan is more about just the bike lanes. This plan is about safety, redesign, and better livability in general for our community. And, um, you know, as someone, I'm a professor of environmental science um, at American University for my day job. Um, I genuinely believe that one of the ways we make our community safer is by safer infrastructure. Um, You know, this isn't the responsibility of drivers, pedestrians, cyclists. Um, It's really the way we've built and designed our infrastructure that needs to improve. And that's what this plan does. Um, It does it for everyone beyond just people who ride bicycles. The second thing I want to clarify about this plan when you asked about the community, um, this was a very grassroots effort. In 2017, the community requested a study be done on Connecticut Avenue, including considering protected bike lanes. Um, All the ANCs up and down Connecticut Avenue, again, passed resolutions in support of the study. This past election, our ANC, just as an example, had eight open seats. Seven seats were won by candidates who supported this redesign, and only one candidate did not. So this is a community-driven effort, um, and the community continues to support it you know, as this effort moves forward. And then finally, the last thing I would like to say is that there's two shocks that we're dealing in, one very short-term shock and one long-term shock that have changed the way we think about our infrastructure. Climate change means that we have to shift away from single-car transit uh, that has been dominating our culture and our cities for a long time. And so if we need to tackle climate change and tackle the emissions that are taking place in our community, we need to also think, rethink about the design that we have currently in place. The other short-term shock is COVID-19. 
Um, during the pandemic, post-pandemic, one of the things everyone realized was they would like outdoor space and outdoor activities close to where they live, work, and play. Those became very prominent during the pandemic, and they've continued as the pandemic has gone on. Um, as you saw, Beach Drive was recently closed to car traffic to promote more pedestrians, bicyclists, and other people to live outside their cars. And Connecticut Avenue is another way towards doing that. And also focusing on most of the way that we get around. 80% of the way that people come to the business district is by walk, biking, or transit. The other 20% is by cars, which includes rideshare, the percentage of which is going up. So to redesign Connecticut Avenue, not just in terms of safety, also in terms of how the community want it, but also responding to how we're going to react to climate change, as well as changes during the COVID-19 pandemic is essential. And that's really what this plan is about. So I'm hearing you say that this is really about safety, environmental factors, and that the majority of D.C. leaders are supportive of this. Lee, why do you think the bike lanes will negatively impact people living here and working in the area? The first thing is that uh, Swala and I agree on public safety. Our organization uh, is focused on pedestrian safety and cyclist safety. We uh, want to see more crosswalks. We want to see traffic lights at every crosswalk. Uh, we want to slow traffic down but we don't want it to create gridlock. And we believe adding bike lanes to Connecticut Avenue will cause gridlock. We talk about public safety. Uh, this bike lane plan will divert uh, approximately 7,000 cars off of Connecticut Avenue onto neighborhood streets. That will make our neighborhood streets even more dangerous. The reason I got involved in this project is that I'm a cyclist and an e-cyclist. And when I uh, heard about the plan, when the mayor announced it at the Chevy Chase Community Center, I was pretty excited. I was thinking, oh, great, bike lanes on Connecticut Avenue. But details matter. When I looked at the plan, I saw that they were eliminating 79% of the parking spaces, over 42% of the loading zones, and the loading zones that are left are few and far between and not near any of the, a lot of the businesses. So businesses rely on curbside pickup and delivery, as Swala had mentioned. Well, that's going to be a problem when bike lanes are along the curbs. I'm also concerned with the public safety uh, as it relates to emergency responders. DDOT has said publicly that uh, there'll be four to five intersections where the congestion will be so bad and they don't have a solution to it. Every second counts when emergency responders have to get to a destination. And so lives will be lost and uh, property damage could be much worse if a fire engine can't get to a fire in a reasonable amount of time. Uh, we're also worried about the ADA regulations uh, disabled and the mobility challenge will also be have difficulties crossing the street, accessing businesses. Bus passengers will have to cross bike lanes. Details matter. Well, let me ask you this, Swale. You both seem to agree that this is about public safety. How do you feel about the concerns that Lee's just laid out, that public safety could actually be jeopardized if emergency responders aren't able to get in you know, at a, at a reasonable speed? Are there mitigating factors for how this plan will affect uh, delivery drivers and emergency services and some of the other factors that Lee's mentioned? Sure. I think one of the great things that Lee has mentioned is about safety. I'm glad that he agrees, you know, that we need safety in this community. Um, you know, if, if there hadn't been extensive study 
an extensive engagement on this project, both in terms of data collection and thoughtfully thinking about where some of this stuff will go, then yes, I would have the same concerns as Lee, but there has been quite a bit of study and quite a bit of engagement. And I'll give you certain examples, right? For example, um, when DDOT studied what, how traffic will be diverted, um, this was pre-pandemic data when we had rush hour traffic. Uh, you know, DDOT studied like how traffic will be diverted up to 2045. Um, the diversion that we talked about was, you know, that they'll be diverted into neighborhood streets. That's not actually what happened. 55% will actually be other roads that are not Connecticut Avenue or neighborhoods. Over half the traffic will go down other sort of arterial roads that are better designed for traffic than the community we live in. The studies that were again done with pre-pandemic data showed that gridlock would be at the most an extra four minutes of driving down Connecticut Avenue if you start from the very north and go to the very south. And, and you know, one of the things that the pandemic allowed us to do was allowed us to have this natural experiment. For most of the time on Connecticut Avenue, Connecticut Avenue is a four-lane road. And if you look at during the pandemic, they actually turned Connecticut Avenue into a four-lane road with parking on both sides. Um, the diversions of traffic and the worry about gridlock, that didn't happen. And more of the other thing that DDOT did was also collect data on how traffic looks like right now. The pandemic traffic might have returned, but the pandemic rush hour peak when Connecticut Avenue was six lanes, um, that hasn't returned at all. The traffic is more or less flat throughout the day. And so what we're seeing today is we're seeing that our roadway doesn't need to be designed for that six hour traffic anymore. And even under the worst case scenarios, we were expecting at uh, the majority of time we we're expecting was about four minutes. Um, we also talked about, for example, uh, you know, curbside loading, um, especially for people with disabilities and seniors and also businesses. One of the most important things to note right now is that there exists no dedicated space for people with disabilities to get on and off Connecticut Avenue right now. Most of the parking is uh, is two-hour long-term parking that gets taken up throughout the day, but it also disappears during rush hour. That parking doesn't exist during rush hour. So in fact, one of the things that this plan does is that on one side of Connecticut Avenue, we get dedicated places where people with disabilities can get picked up and dropped off. And then we also get the ability to redesign our road and parkings to match what we really need here. And the final thing I'll say is about buses. Um, right now, buses have to pull in to the closest curbside lane, um, and they're often jackknifed on the road. So one of the things that DDOT realized was that when bus stops are through the road and buses don't have to pull in, the second thing is if buses have far side stops rather than near side stops that they have right now, that actually improves bus flow and it also makes it safer for passengers and everyone on the road, including drivers, cyclists, and pedestrians to get in and out of buses. And so a lot of these things, um, yes, it's you're absolutely right to ask those questions, but we've had a five-year planning process where those things have been worked out. And the great thing is they're still being worked out. And so I think one of the most important things to realize about this is that these issues are being addressed, they are being talked about, and they absolutely do need to be mitigated. When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, Avida's Return. 
which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174. Lee, you've mentioned that for you, this, a lot of this is really grounded in public safety, which is important to you. Are there other ideas or plans that you would prefer to promote public safety along Connecticut Avenue rather than the bike lanes? Our organization does endorse uh, speed cameras, which will slow traffic. Our contention is that DDOT's primary focus has been to try to figure out how to squeeze two curbside bike lanes into an avenue that's too narrow to accommodate them. So... A lot of DDOT's data, which was gathered during the pandemic when nobody was paying attention. So the public has really not been involved in this. DDOT really didn't do much outreach to businesses. 30 businesses answered a survey. I don't know how the survey got to those businesses, but our organization went to every business on Connecticut Avenue and over 120 of them signed our petition opposing the bike lanes. So somehow DDOT feels that they know more than the businesses themselves as far as what's good for them. I can't talk to what the plan might look like uh, as far as uh, pick up and drop off on which side of the street. I can only deal with the plans that I see on DDOT's website, which by the way is sadly outdated. But what I would say is that why aren't we checking and looking and see how the elimination of reversible lanes and the lowering of the speed limit, what that impact is on crashes and, and safety, and then take another look, see if bike lanes are needed. Rock Creek Park and Capitol Crescent Trail are available. I used to commute to my office down at the Watergate. I used to go through Rock Creek Park and it worked. I didn't see a lot of other cyclists. In fact, the commuter connection states that less than 2% of the commuters cycle to work. So this project, which started out being about safety, has morphed into an expensive bike lane project. Swale, what do you have to say to all that? Sure. I mean, first, I would like to say that six lanes of Connecticut Avenue is absolutely enough space to accommodate pedestrians, bicyclists, and drivers. It's a very wide range of traffic and it takes up a lot of public space that we absolutely do have space for. So I wholly disagree with that, but I also disagree with that there hasn't been engagement with the community. Um, again, DDOT by themselves have had 50 community meetings. Um, the ANCs have had community meetings on top of that. The business petition that Lee pointed out, way less than half the businesses have signed that petition with some of the major businesses openly saying that they support the plan. Um, and then as far as crashes after the pandemic, when the reversible lanes were gone and speed limit has been lowered, just, you know, last month we had someone die on Connecticut Avenue in front of the zoo. That's one of the largest crosswalks on Connecticut Avenue. Has a traffic light, even though it's not an intersection, something that Lee said he wanted to do. The reversible lanes are gone and the speed limit has been lowered, yet 
we still had a fatal crash on Connecticut Avenue just last month. So one of the things I think we have to realize is this, this data is being collected. It's all available on the website. We are seeing this, but we're not seeing the safety improvements that a broad swath of infrastructure change will bring. We really need to slow down drivers. And then I, I actually like to point one very interesting thing out. Lee pointed out he's a cyclist, right? And he said, I'm a cyclist, but I'm against this plan. Um, I'd like to tell you all that I am not a cyclist because I am very scared of cycling on the road. And one of the really things I like to point out is that when people say statistics about barely anyone bikes to work, or like, you know, cyclists like Lee say that they don't want these bike lanes. When we change infrastructure, it's for people for whom that infrastructure doesn't feel safe right now. These bike lanes aren't for Lee, who's confident to cycle right now. These bike lanes are for that middle school student that emailed us and said she wanted to bike to Alice Deal. These bike lanes are for the retired couple that came to our meeting, said they just bought an e-bike and they want to be able to bike around the neighborhood. And so it's really, really important for us, especially for me as an elected official, to think beyond me and have empathy for the people that really want this to happen and really want safety to come to connect with them. Lee, what's your response to what Swale has just laid out? Yeah, well, um, number one, there are 110 curb cuts from Calvert Street to Chevy Chase Circle. There are uh, 24 intersections, which is where most of the accidents happen uh, from Calvert to Legation. I would be scared to death to have my child ride a bike on Connecticut Avenue. You're taking 26,000 vehicles a day and you're throwing bike lanes and the chances of accidents happening become far greater. Let's talk about the fatality on, uh, that recently occurred on Connecticut Avenue. Bike lanes would not have stopped that. The car drifted into the uh, opposing lane of traffic. We have no idea why. It's a horrific situation, but bike lanes would not have solved that problem. Again, speed cameras, enforcement, traffic lights at crosswalks, those are the items that, that'll make a difference. If you go on Safer Connecticut Avenue, which is not our website, they say that the risk of severe injury from accidents involving a vehicle and a pedestrian uh, by lowering the speed limit from 30 to 25 accidents are nearly halved. They also say about 44% of traffic accidents occurred when the reversible lanes were open. So if you eliminate both of those issues, we should see far fewer accidents. There are other problems with this as well. Um, the small number of cyclists who are going to be riding on Connecticut Avenue are not going to move the needle environmentally. In fact, the congestion of cars stuck in traffic and searching for parking spots will actually add to the air pollution. Again, buses will be slowed. Uh, we are in favor of moving uh, bus stops from near side to far side. I think that's a great idea. However, Buses will be slowed by this traffic and they'll become even less reliable than they are now, which will force people back into cars. We think public transportation is where the effort should be and not having uh, raised platforms for people to load on and off and have to uh, dodge bicycles uh, when they get on and off the buses or when they queue up for the buses. Lee, is there a plan for bike lanes on Connecticut Avenue that you actually would want? I don't think Connecticut Avenue is the place for them. I'd like to see the bike lanes be put on residential streets, which is where I ride. Because, again, you have 
too many cars. Drivers are not the best, let's put it lightly. <laughs> and cyclists are, are also no better. I can't tell you the number of times that cyclists go flying by me without announcing, you know, on your left, on your right. So you wouldn't put bike lanes on the Beltway. You shouldn't be putting them on Connecticut Avenue. And as I said, it's going to hurt the businesses if Connecticut Avenue becomes as congested as we believe it will. You're going to discourage federal workers from going into their offices downtown. And uh, you're going to see businesses lose parking. One thing I want to say, one, one thing that, that I think personally really upsets me was Lee said, well, you wouldn't put a bike lane on the Beltway. Um, I don't live on the Beltway. Kids don't live on the Beltway. I live right in front of Connecticut Avenue. I fear for my life when I go outside. And, you know, I'm not in the business to say that I blame drivers or cyclists. When we design our infrastructure, when you design a road that has six lanes and you put a small speed limit, 25 miles per hour there, that's not going to stop people from driving fast. They see infrastructure. They're like, I have to go fast. This is designed for me to go fast. And it's not their fault. It's the way our infrastructure has been designed. The other quick things that I want to point out is that when you add bicycle lanes to a street like Connecticut Avenue, we're not just talking about bicycle lanes, we're talking about changing the entire infrastructure and the way people travel. 3,000 bicyclists a day are expected once you add these bike lanes, and we've seen that evidence throughout the world, throughout other cities, throughout even in DC, when the 15th Street cycle track was involved, when the infrastructure is built people come. And I totally agree with you, Lee. Connecticut Avenue is incredibly dangerous right now for kids to ride bicycles with the curb cuts, with the traffic, which is exactly why we need to be changing. Let me respond. One of the big problems that bike lanes would cause is that we're talking about bus lanes now stopping in one of the two lanes. So you really only have one through lane of traffic. And a minor fender bender in that one lane will stop traffic entirely. Because, again, buses will be stopping in one of the other lanes. Service vehicles will have nowhere to park. You've got landscape vehicles. Where are they going to park? I can tell you where they're going to park. It's where they do now. They park illegally in one of the lanes of traffic. So you really will end up with buses having to go around illegally parked vehicles and one through lane of traffic in each direction. So I would encourage everybody to go to saveconnecticutav.org check out our website and join our fight, sign our petition. Can I just finish one, one final thought over here? If safety is our priority and our priority is listening to the community and our priority is reacting to the pandemic and climate change, then the redesign of Connecticut Avenue is a very, very basic thing that we need to do. And the community has been thinking about this for 10 years. We've been looking at evidence for this for the last five years. We're still looking at evidence for this. And to move forward, this is very, very important that we focus on seven. It is a complicated issue. I appreciate the time. This has been very robust. I feel like I learned a lot. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. If you've got strong opinions on this story, like Lee and Swale do, there's a D.C. Council hearing tonight where Transportation Director Everett Lott will testify on the Connecticut Avenue plan. Check out our show notes for the link to watch. And before you go, here's some quick news. Come May 1st, D.C. landlords will be able to increase rent in rent-controlled apartments by almost 9%. This will be the highest it's been in more than 40 years and will apply to over 70,000 households across the city. 
Some city council members are planning to introduce emergency bills to set a lower cap, but Mayor Muriel Bowser hasn't been supportive, and it's looking unlikely that they will pass. Meanwhile, Bowser is raising the hiring bonus for D.C. police officers to $25,000. That's a $5,000 increase. The city has been struggling to recruit and retain officers, a trend we're seeing across the country. Bowser has consistently argued that the D.C. force should have at least 4,000 officers, and right now it has about 3,400. And lastly, George Washington University will retire its mascot, the Colonial, and replace it with something less politically divisive. The four finalists for a new name are the Ambassadors, Blue Fog, Revolutionaries, and Sentinels. The GW community will have a chance to weigh in, and a final decision will be made in the next few months. And today's DC Life Hack is... If you've got a kid under five years old, the DC Public Library will send you free books for them. Just go to dclibrary.org to find out more. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend who lives, works, or hangs out anywhere near Connecticut Avenue Northwest. Things are changing. We'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then. And lastly, George Washington University will retire its mascot, the col- the, the colonel, the colonel, right? Colonial, God damn it.